Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thinking Basketball Podcast. My name is Ben. Welcome back. It's, it's been a while. Today, I thought maybe we would just do something I've wanted to do for a long time, which is just spend a whole show talking about defense because nothing plays on the radio better than talking about defense and basketball. And to do that, I asked an uh, <laughs> old friend, the, the, the original guest, the OG himself, Mo DeKeel from the other side of Los Angeles. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing well under the circumstances. Am I the original guest? Was I one of your first guests? I think you were the first yes yeah put that on the resume yeah that always Eat that folks yep that, that will always go down and i can't have another first you're the only one. <laughs> oh man uh, you blew it there bud <laughs> <laughs> so okay so uh let's level set the idea of today's episode is that historically defense is extremely undermeasured and under quantified we've talked about this before how hard it is to use data or stats to really get a decent approximation of defense especially historically but historically we only really have two kind of even qualitative tools that guide us when it comes to defense that is a defensive player of the year voting which is very similar to but sometimes slightly different than all defensive first and second team so you get 10 guys on those teams it's actually hard to go and find the also receiving votes have you ever done that by the way have you ever like looked at how many other players receive votes that don't make the actual all defensive team i kind of look at it just kind of going like oh okay yeah or i don't spend too much time on it but i definitely will kind of take a gander at it yeah but then once that's over it's hard to find historically you kind of have to like go back and find the NBA's press release to see other oh, wow. other defenders who people people thought were close to making all defensive team but we don't know why we don't know what it is about the assistant coaches or the um, delegated staff did you ever do that when you were at the clippers did you get a little ballot that you had to had to we, work we, through for someone we've done it in a group setting just you know that somebody kind of hey just look it over and make sure i didn't do anything stupid yeah um kind of stuff but like yeah it's it's generally uh usually kind of gets pawned off onto somebody uh i never had the opportunity to just do it solely on my own because i probably would have just written my name over and over again mvp mode <laughs> defensive player of the year mode um <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's uh that that uh that reminds me of the dave Chappelle joke where he is the best rapper of all time no 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 he <laughs> he um he said he got in big trouble when he was in high school for threatening his teachers and kind of like prank calling them and the, and at the end of the joke he says i i i could never figure out how they caught me all i did was call them up and say i'm gonna kill you if you don't change dave Chappelle's grades to an a <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> there we go yeah so uh, i never gotten the chance to do the the actual ballot though myself i've never had the responsibility so okay with with that said um i think there's a lot more 
qualitatively that we can add to this conversation. And that's kind of the goal here. The five categories for the, the what are we going to call the Thinking Basketball 2020 Defensive Awards, the five categories that I landed on. And we, we can go even more granular. Some of these overlap. You can go less granular. But these five seem to give us a nice snapshot, I think, of who the key defenders are in the league and what they excel at. Uh, five categories. We'll get into them in a second. Basically, best rim protector, best nail defender, best point of attack defender, most switchable defender, and best isolation defender. I also had a category that I took out just around screen navigation, um, but that's where we landed. Screen navigation would have been a, a real nerdy level. It's, a, it's of, too uh, much. It's too much. Yeah. 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 I baked it into some other categories, but. Um, I don't know. Shall we? Well, before we dig in, one more thing, because we've alluded to it. Philosophical differences, like I I kind of left it open as I sent this ballot to a handful of people who I thought also loved watching defense and play design around the league. And how did you philosophically approach this? Did you think, you know, more about someone having value in certain spots, uh, like the way the team uses them? Or did you think about more overall skill and ability if they're put in different situations? I mean, this is going to be a cop-out answer, but it's a little bit of both. You know, obviously, if a team's not using a guy right, um, if your defense is all switching and you have Rudy Gobert constantly switching onto guards, yeah, you know, you're, you're putting Rudy Gobert in a bad system and we're not going to be able to talk about how good of a rim protector he is, right? Because he's out on the perimeter now all the time. So it kind of goes hand-in-hand in those situations and you could see it with with certain coaches you know taking a player and going no no we're gonna we're gonna change who you defend and then you see that player all of a sudden become a better defender or the other way around and become a worse defender it's 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 one of those things so it kind of goes hand in hand for me so you know it's been it's really kind of i look at them both and then i try to take a step away and like how does this whole fit within the team and 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 what the team's trying to do so uh that's that's kind of my philosophy with it you know i, I want they got to have the skills to be able to do the stuff but they also got to be put in the positions with with the defensive schemes that they're playing in and do they fit in those schemes and sometimes these, it's not the player's fault that they don't fit in a scheme it's you know usually on the coach who's not putting them in the player is not putting them in the right schemes you know like yeah. to me it's a it's a coaching philosophy it's you know I've seen a lot of coaches who are very much like he doesn't play my style of of he he won't fit my system. I'm like, well, you got to adjust your system because it's not mm-hmm. like you can just go trade the guy. Yeah, um, yeah. It does, it's not that easy. So, um, and I think that works also on the defensive end. So that's kind of how I viewed it. Hopefully, I've answered your question, even though it was kind of a cop out. No, I I think I'm I think I'm kind of in the same space. I tend to, in general, kind of just approach analysis more about the versatility of situation, you know, the the good kinds of situations you need to be in and not get overly focused on someone's specific role. But of course, there's a there's a balance. And especially we'll get to that in a second on defense, where when guys have particular strengths, it doesn't make a lot of sense to penalize them for coaches constantly building around those strengths if those are really noticeable strengths. So I think there's a little balance. Um, You know, I don't know how everybody approached it. One of the things I wanted to do was send these questions over to people and let them kind of uh, interpret them as they will. But I mean, with that said, I think that's a good segue into some of the rim protectors. You mentioned Gobert. 
So let's start with the first category there. Best rim protector, specifically the notes I included here for this first category. Can we call it an award? Can it be? <laughs> hey, whatever. It's your show, yeah. man. It's your list. You call it whatever you want. I think I'm going to call it an award first. Okay, but I want a trophy. I want an image for each uh, trophy, <laughs> each award. I want. I want the the mental image. <laughs> okay. Uh, this one is this is a gold basket with a stanchion attached to it, and that's the handle. And then in front of it, there is a um, picture of Bill Russell with his arm way over the hoop blocking Wilt Chamberlain's dunk. There you go. Okay. okay. That's what Let's the first go. statue looks like. I don't know if I can do that four more times. I've I've literally put Ben on the spot, folks. This is this is something. <laughs> but let's go. Okay. Uh, it's easier to speak of than actually carve and design. Um, yeah. <laughs> best rim protector notes in here are pretty straightforward. Who's the best at contesting shots at the rim? But I did ask voters to consider things like shots deterred. So, you know, players coming in the paint and then not taking the shot because they're concerned about the challenge or the rim protection. Uh, And I think rotations and even things like taking charges, just getting yourself in those positions is key and part of this concept for, you know, this kind of defense and impact right around the hoop. So with that said, number the winner of this category, number one, the only universal winner of any category on this ballot. <laughs> he got every single first place vote, and that is the reigning two-time defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert. There you go. The applause. Yay. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll edit in the applause uh, later. So Gobert is one, but of course, part of this exercise is seeing the names that come up or the names that bubble to the top. So let me give you, we'll do the top five in each category, and then if there are any other names you want to hear, maybe a few other uh, crept in. I mean, another interesting point of this exercise for me, Mo, is seeing the diversity of names. Some right. people, some people had first place votes that weren't on other guys' ballots. You know, oh, it's fascinating, boy. right? <laughs> okay, so Gobert won. Uh, the next four, pretty hardy second place finisher in terms of the way I tabulated the points after that. Brooke Lopez second, Anthony Davis third, Giannis Antetokounmpo fourth, and Miles Turner fifth. Yeah, I so I actually to to I'm not gonna I ask her it I'll reveal all my votes. <laughs> are you gonna reveal all of your? Yeah, why not? We'll find out how 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 much I suck uh, <laughs> later. Twitter can come at me. I I can always just you know unplug. Um, yeah, I had Rudy Gobert obviously first, Lopez second, and Turner third. And the reason why guys like like Giannis didn't make it for me just because I almost feel like there's a little bit of an advantage. When you do have Lopez already. Yeah. You know, and between the two and just in terms of shot blocking and things like that, I really felt like Lopez takes that to another level. I think Giannis is the better overall defender between the two, but I think Lopez and just in the in the terms you laid it out, I think he was for me hands down the guy. I think Miles Turner underrated I think defensively especially as a shot blocker. I think he really does a good job there at the rim. Um, I should have pulled out my uh, the the numbers I was looking at, but I think you know he, he he's really solid in that sense. And a couple of other guys who you know AD's been good. Um, I think uh, who else was on that list? That was it, right? A- AD, Giannis, Turner. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Yeah, so that's that's my explanation of the thing. Sorry, guys, I'm working through this. Th- those were the top five. Yeah, yeah. I, I think with I-, I was glad to see Miles 
get a mention. I also had him in kind of the bottom of my ballot as well. I think if any, you know, that is, of course, his strength. His strength is rim protection. He has some agility around the hoop. Um, I think his reactivity as you get closer to the hoop, which is a huge component of rim protection. I'm going to talk about that in an upcoming video on some of these guys, like the idea that you don't take yourself out of place, right? And maybe Mo, you can speak to this more when you're coming over for help or you need that second effort or whatever it is. You don't want to, hey, I looked good, I contested, but then I'm in the I'm hanging out with the cameraman in the baseline while the play is still going on because someone gets an easy layup on a second chance. And I think Miles, you don't want him like right, he struggles away from the basket sometimes or coming high and trapping and then recovering. But when he's around the basket, I, I think he's uh, he's one of the better guys in the league there. Yeah, and what you're talking about is kind of the uh, – uh, maybe not even so much held true this much this year, but in the past, the Hassan Whiteside effect, right? Yeah, like yeah. the going to chase a block to really just end up giving up a, a, a easy dump-off pass. Like, yeah, we want guys to rotate over, but there's a way to do it. And – a lot of times you do have some big men who still have to learn. It's a process of learning it, but, you know, kind of just go all out to give up the block and they end up just kind of causing more issues defensively and open up more holes, which the offense can take advantage of. So if they don't get the block, you know, the defense is screwed at that point. So that's something that's, uh, you know, you, you can see a lot from Whiteside, although I thought he had a pretty good year defensively this year. I think he got better as the year went on. Um, but it was something that you do see with a lot of big men. So a, a guy who was mentioned on a few ballots, I had him at the bottom of my ballot, but I wonder if in other years he would have been higher, and that was Joel Embiid. Did you consider him strongly for uh, sort of the top of your ballot behind some of those, you know, Gobert and Lopez? I did. I actually, I had him pretty pretty high up. I think uh, I had him in and then started to think more about Miles Turner. Um, and, and he got bumped for, uh, uh, Miles Turner basically. And, you know, I, it has nothing to do as much with Embiid as much as I think it had to do with just Turner was, was, was better around the rim. I think it's been a weird year for Philly, I think. So there's, there's been some issues there and in that sense. So for me, I just kind of felt like I had to go with Turner, but Embiid's a hell of a defender. I mean, you know, I think this may just be a little bit of a, a, a blip, mm. On, on on the year, you know, overall, if I had to pick, you know, over several years, I'm going to probably take and beat over yeah. Turner. Yeah. But the but just on looking at it in just this year, you know, I just I just felt like he didn't have. And sometimes it's unfair, right? Like sometimes we hold these guys accountable for when they were so great. You know, when they, what they did was so great that if they don't hit that mark again, we're like, ah, oh, no, they took the year off. Yeah. Um, but it, it it kind of felt that way a little bit with with Embiid in terms of defensively. So, you know, uh, for me, he he would have been fourth on my list uh, if I went five deep. I only went three. I was lazy. <laughs> next, next award, and this one is Best Nail Defender. Uh, I asked people to consider things like when you're in this. So the nail, that term comes from there's an actual nail that sits like at the middle of the free throw line on a basketball court. And so as a help defender, a lot of times you are sitting in that position and the responsibilities of that position 
often include things mo like disrupting passing lanes which i ask people to consider and then the way you help from this area on penetrator uh, penetrators cutters or digging down to help the post and then closing back out to shooters just kind of this area of the floor did you want to say anything more about that before i tell you what the nail trophy looks like no, I'm too excited for the nail trophy. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's such an important key. You know, like when when I saw that on the list, I was like, ooh, this is a good one. I like that. Um, just because I think it's a very important aspect defensively. You know, having a guy on the nail sometimes is just more showing than anything else yeah. and getting back to your person. But being But that act of showing allows your teammates to recover. It really makes your defense stronger in that sense and and being on the nail or you know in the right spot is, is is so critical for teams so i think that's kind of the the way i look at it and you know i loved i love that you included that on the list that but you said it right at the end there right that's it it's not just going to the nail for the purpose of going to the nail it's not that every modern basketball offense requires a defender to sit at the nail it's that this general part of the floor when you position yourself in the right spot and coaches will often emphasize you know getting to the nail on some kind of help side rotation or whatever when you put yourself in the right spot all of a sudden you're making life easier for your teammates and you're taking away a lot of sort of basic angles and options that the offense has yeah, I mean, it's just such a critical moment to it. You know, think about any side pick and roll. There's always, you know, if it, teams want to be able to have a guy at the nail and then be able to get out. It, it, it's just a critical spot on the floor in general, you know, both offensively and defensively. Like, if you can get the ball there, you're, you have a chance to really attack offensively. Defensively, if you can keep the ball out of that area, you have a good chance of getting a stop. So it's such a critical area on the court that um, it's, it, it, it really is like a big-time important thing. So I think the other critical thing here is the trophy. Yeah. And, and this one, this one, what I'm envisioning in my mind, I mean, we're only on the second one. Things are going to get really wild in a minute. Uh, this is a gold basketball with a giant nail stabbed in the middle of it. And so you yeah. can, you can yes. hold it by the nail. Yes, I like it. I like it. I was just thinking like golden nail. You're going even better. Yep. I love it. Yep. Yes. Okay. Uh, you got to have some functionality. You can't just carry around a nail. <laughs> this one well, was going to be big. It wouldn't be something you can carry. <laughs> okay. This one to me, I think out of all the category, you know, we started with the most vanilla category, rim protector. This one had the maybe the widest range of names that hit all the ballots. I didn't count, but there are a lot. And then the actual, every single person except one had a different first place vote. And the names at the top um, ended up being kind of wild. So here we go. The winner inaugural Thinking Basketball 2020 award for best nail defender, Marcus Smart, Boston Celtics. There we go. And he was the only person who received two first place votes. (laughs) <laughs> one of them was mine <laughs> uh, second place was his teammate jason tatum third place paul george fourth place robert covington and fifth place ben simmons okay okay well uh i'll unveil mine i had i was one of the two who, who had marcus smart as the best nail defender so i will i will confess right out of the gate having just finished a a tour de force film study it was, it was too long, Mo. I don't want to tell you how much Marcus Smart <laughs> film I watched. But um, I actually did not have him on my ballot just in the sense that 
I don't think he is as active and destructive in that role as some of the other guys. I, I ended up I ended up with three long forwards. Three long forwards. Yes. Right. So I ended up with Paul George, Tatum, Robert Covington, and I also was looking at Ben Simmons and uh, Jimmy Butler. Fair. That's fair. I just feel like he's always around. And and we talked about the nail and the importance of that spot. And and one thing I should also say, for me, I just looked at it as best help defender hmm. um, in, in that sense, too. Because, like, that's when a best nail defender to me, that's the best guy. That's the that's the third guy in the defense yep. that's coming in and can, and can muck up plays. And that was something I felt like Marcus Smart does. Now, it's interesting that if you're saying the film doesn't, show to it then i guess maybe i gotta go back and do some more homework but uh i think only in the sense like if you phrased it the way you just phrased it i think that's more fair only in the sense that i just felt like so many more of his actions were on ball or chasing guys off screens or the celtics will put him in that sort of most important defender uh responsibility lower on the floor near the baseline mm-hmm. um or the you know they do that scramble move where they put him right. in the post so i just ended up not really thinking much about him as a nail guy whereas tatum you know that's tatum's office for the celtics right okay well that's fair and then another guy i had that didn't make the list was chris paul yes he was right behind jimmy butler so let me throw in some of these other names uh, it's just <laughs> it's incredible this category went crazy uh right behind those top five guys chris paul Kawhi leonard patrick beverly chris middleton which i thought was actually a great shout out because he does some of these things we talked about um Ben Simmons, Paul Millsap, and Matisse Thybul. Yeah, I, I kind of did think Thybul a little bit. I just didn't think he had enough of a, a resume to have yeah. in, in terms of t- minutes played and things like that. Like I just didn't feel like he had enough. But he's he's probably a future yeah. number one on this list, yeah, right? It's like dangerous. This, you know the, the the stuff he does, freaking unreal. It's it's um, incredible. He and I and let's drill on him for just a second while we're here. I think he does two things incredibly well. And like you said, that he may be the best in the league very shortly at these two things. One, his like rear view pursuit move where he kind of lets you go by and then comes in from behind either to take the ball with a push flick or to block your shot uh, is sort of preternatural to me. And the other one is exactly this sitting in this area on the court. And then, I mean, he's his wingspan is longer than whatever they measure it at. Let's put it that way, right. because he just eats passes from this spot on the court. I mean, it's it's to me, it's it's, it's kind of perplexing that the Sixers don't have a full court press mm. on a regular basis mm. with Simmons and Tybal and the length that they have. Um, they've pulled it out every now and then. I've seen I've seen Coach Brown do it, but I think I would probably even do it a little bit more. I know it's harder in the. 82 game season is it's hard to do a full court press all year and things like that. But I think they can find more opportunities to do it together when they have those two guys on the floor. And then you have Embiid in the back as your, your eraser. I think you, you, you have an ability to really kind of can cause some problems for teams. I think with, by doing some sort of full court press with those guys, Thibel, I mean, it's funny you mentioned his wingspan. It's just like when you, it's one of those instances as a passer, you think like, there's no way he can get to this. I put so mm, much yeah. air on it. And then you're just watching in slow motion and you're just like, <laughs> Oh, his arm goes longer. Yeah. And I feel like, like a lot of his steals look like that. Where at the beginning, you know, great passing lane guys have this effect where at the beginning, you look like you can make the pass, but with him specifically, the ball hasn't traveled more than two feet, and your eyes are like, "Oh no, he's going to get that." Yeah, <laughs> and the, and the thing that's funny is like I remember reading early on, like 
you know, because he, he gambles a bit. And I think that's part of why it's a good thing. His rear pursuit is so good, um, you, you know, because he's one of those guys that can gamble, not, not get it and still recover. Yeah. And I think Brett Brown had said early on, like, I had to learn to not <laughs> I had to let him go like this is and that's kind of this is high praise and, and, and it's too early to actually give it to him. So I'm just saying it's kind of Manu-esque. Mm. defensively in his ability his timing to come up with steals as well and things like that and and to take a risk and a gamble and I think whoever coaches him on the defensive side is just going to have to live with the fact that like look we just got to let him gamble because more often than not he's going to get the ball so I want to just quickly go back to the full court press thing because you know last dance aired last month which feels like about nine years ago to me it seems about nine years yeah that's right last month nine years ago and the bulls used to bust out this full court press in really specific circumstances often at like the beginning of fourth quarters and things like that would would you like to see more teams situationally go to a press if they have the tools like philadelphia Okay, so you're going to have me give up the one secret I was ever going to have for if I ever got back into coaching. Okay, I, I've, I have this. I've, I've thought about this for so long, Ben. Well, it's like, only your second appearance. That's all it takes for me to get it out. You know, <laughs> it's been so long, though, man. I didn't know you. <laughs> um, I didn't know you. You, you, you stretched out the dis- the time frame um, from my last appearance, but the. Uh, the idea situationally I look at is I think after any transition bucket, that's the perfect time mm. to go right into a press. Just think about it this way. You, you've you just scored on a two-on-one situation. The team that's coming to take out the ball is rushing to come in to inbound the ball. You have that advantage right now in that chaos. you know. And for me, I would just say every transition – you know, we're jumping right into a press, you know, right after a transition bucket, boom, it's an automatic, uh, let's, let's press and see if we can't f- speed this team up again and cough up another turnover, you know, and, and get another thing. And if we get two possessions in a row, we're pressing again, you know, every transition bucket, that's my situation. Cause I think there's a quick moment there where you might even get something stupid, like the inbounder might panic and, get a five second count or, or or just throw the ball away to avoid the five second count or force the team to call a timeout. Like I think there's a real, I, I think you can really put a pressure on a team by doing it. So for me, situationally, I think that might be one of the best situations to do it. Um, it just hasn't been done. And uh, if uh, that could be because I'm an idiot and it shouldn't be done, um, but well, then, I just haven't seen it yet. Look, the Knicks are hiring. So you know, we could possibly make this happen. And yeah, we, we there's, there's a lot of stuff with the Knicks we could talk about. <laughs> yeah, maybe you don't want the Knicks job. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's move on to uh, our next category, next award here, and that is the best point of attack defender. So things to consider in this category, the ability to contain penetration, navigate screens as we've talked about, or take them away if that's what the scheme requires is basically that that sort of song and dance that happens around the pick and roll game when you are the guy up on the ball and of course related to that is you know you can't do that and then give up wide open jumpers or step backs or things like that so that that was sort of the uh ask in this category for best point of attack defender yeah i I think that's kind of it right there it's just a guy that can really pest the ball uh pester the ball handler and really kind of get into their 
Am I allowed to curse on this? Yeah. They, they can really get into their, <laughs> you know, <It's> like, <laughs> really. And, and, and having that kind of that, uh, that ability at the, uh, you know, really can kind of just blow things up. You know, we, I, have seen it many times. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think you, you, you described it pretty well. Who do you think historically, like when you think of a great point of attack defender in NBA history, who do you think kind of epitomizes this? I mean, the glove, right? Like I kind of look at Gary Payton as a guy that can really, really just make you work the whole way through. I think another guy is Scottie Pippen, who, I mean, God, when Pip got his hands on you, it was over. You might as well just hand the hand. <laughs> hand the ball off and go stand at half court because it's like you're done i think those are two guys just off the top of my head all right that helps me because i was trying to think of a trophy oh the- that's you're stalling i was i was totally <laughs> stalling and and now you've sent me in a different direction part of me wants to make the trophy a, a little statue of gary payton with his in his crouch with yep. his head tilted to the side um but that of course would break that would break the theme of the other trophy. All right, we'll we'll go with Gary Payton trophy. It's for okay. Now. You don't have yeah. to. The, the trophies all don't have to be along the same theme. I like a theme, Mo. <laughs> Excuse me. I like me. a good theme. <laughs> all right, here we go. The winner of the first annual Best Point of Attack Defender Thinking Basketball Defensive Awards, Marcus Smart, Boston Celtics. Okay. Is there a theme here? <laughs> See, I did have Smart first in this category he had three first place votes um and was at the top of most but he actually dominated this category this is the second biggest win based on how i tabulated the votes um outside of gobert so he was first and then this is where this got kind of wild as well in terms of the next handful of names Giannis was second ben simmons third avery bradley fourth drew holiday fifth just ahead of Kawhi leonard who had one single first place vote yeah for me with Kawhi, i've i mean i think Kawhi is probably the best defender in the game the thing is is he just doesn't always play you know and 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 he coasts from time to time so i don't you know i think on playoff time he's he's locked in and he goes um but i don't so that's why i kind of didn't I, he didn't make my list. My list is going to get me in trouble. This is the one where I was like, eh, maybe I don't mention this one. <laughs> okay, so I will out myself a little bit. I have Avery Bradley second. I think that this is where he this is this is his value as a defender. I'm not sure about almost anything else on the court, but especially this season, his work on ball um, has been almost kind of video game like in terms of just how quick and how tenacious he's been able to pester ball handlers I feel like every time I do a video deep dive on a young guard this season when they play the Lakers that's where the turnover started <laughs> started like, to pile up yeah yeah it's like uh, oh the 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 handle issue that well he's got a really good handle but then he plays the Lakers I mean John Morant has an insane handle and there are a few plays where Avery Bradley just just rips him it's just not right. right. Um, so, no, I'm saying that to say it was a hard category, and I would like to tell on myself a little bit, but the names that were here were, were kind of all over the place. What, yeah, what did you so, have? So th- this one's going to be controversial, but I had Patrick Beverly as my number one. You know, and, and to me, he does – I understand everybody always says, like, Patrick Beverly has you fooled. I mean, especially Westbrook really believes that. But the thing about Pat Bev is that I think he's just – so much of an irritant that he really can make it hard for you to get 
you know, the ball up to the court. You know, he can really pressure you. He can put a lot of uh, emphasis on you. He he can be really a handful defensively in that sense. Like, it's just tough to kind of work around him sometimes. And part of that is he it, for him now, especially with his teammates, with Kawhi and Paul George, like he has so much behind him, he can actually be overly aggressive and stuff like that. So I think he gets, to me, that's that's why he got the vote you know, at the number one spot for me. He was fourth Throughout. for me, by the way. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I buy what you're saying. Yeah, and, and and for me, the second was Drew Holiday. Uh, I think the, you know, I, I think he's just an underrated defender overall. And I think that's something that, you know, he, he can really just, all right, I'm going to put the clamps down. I mean, look at the fact that the Pelicans have him guarding guys like KD, from time to time, you know, and, and, and he's got to take on the toughest assignments sometimes and things like that. Like he just has that versatility and he does a really good job on the ball, the way I look at it. And then Ben Simmons is just so damn long. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think Ben Simmons is pretty obvious, so we don't have to go too far into that, but you know, for all the criticism we give Ben Simmons for his lack of shooting, we really don't praise his defense enough. So, um, you know, I think he's eventually going to be one of the best defenders in the league. The the one that surprised me was Giannis getting a couple really high placements on some ballots to get him up near the top there. I, I want to save the Kawhi discussion because uh, I have more on that. But Drew Holiday specifically, and we'll get to this in another category, I, I struggled with him a little bit here because I don't know if when I look at him on film, and I haven't done a super deep dive this year at all, just, just for transparency, but that element of his game doesn't pop out as much as like his isolation defense, which is a later category. And it's interesting that you evoke like putting him on guys like Kevin Durant. That's where I think he shines is that, you know, more on an island uh, kind of defensive situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe I might have gotten mixed up here a little bit with the definitions when I was doing this. (laughs) But yeah, I still think he just does a good job. Like I think he can disrupt in many ways um obviously this isn't this wasn't this year but you know the 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 portland series is really where i kind of started to pay attention to him defensively yeah um and 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 he really kind of showed up in that series so for me that's kind of where it started for me and then obviously i've kept an eye on him defensively and i just think he's all around a, a, a solid defender and i think he could do a really good job at the the point of attack and really kind of yeah, I think he has that ability to really blow things up. Specifically what, you know, he did to Lillard in that series, is that what jumped out to you or just other stuff? Yeah, I mean specifically that series. I mean that that series he 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 locks in a little bit on on Lillard. I mean it was a whole team thing. They rotated really well uh, you know, it, it, all that stuff, but I think they just did such a good job and I think it's, they don't get to do that if they don't have Drew Holiday. Let's move on to the well, actually, you know, one more guy here I do want to mention in this category who only got a few extra votes. I, I kind of had him down near the bottom of my ballot and didn't even include him. I just was thinking about him. But I think he's worth discussing because he plays for the Bulls and no one watches the Bulls. And that's Chris Dunn this year. I haven't watched the Bulls this year. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was my, my suspicion. My suspicion was that too many people are like-minded here in this group voting on this, and it's hard to watch a lot of Bulls games. But, you know, Chris Dunn does particular things very well from what I've seen. I've tried to look a little deeper in this exercise. And, I mean, his hands are incredible, and his quickness and footwork in these particular situations really... I, 
I guess I'll say it stands out. I mean, what I'm fascinated by is if you put him on a better team with better coaching and kind of better defensive principles behind him, would he be, take Pat Beverly, right, who is good at a lot of stuff, but would he even be an upgrade because he's bigger, he's got better hands, he's longer, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, that's that kind of goes back to what we said at the beginning, right? Like, uh, being in the right scheme and in the right situation, you know, can can highlight your your abilities and and i think that's kind of this is the exact opposite you know he's in a tough spot with 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 not the best coaching scenario and stuff and and, and we're seeing glimpses of how how good he is defensively and when i say we seeing you've seen glimpses of him defensively because again <laughs> no one watches the bulls i haven't i haven't watched a lot of the bulls i think yeah. i've caught them here and there but not not enough to form that opinion so i think that's the uh um the thing i think it just kind of comes down to situations and you know, he's got the size to be, you know, a better Beverly, then that's that's a positive thing going for, forward for him. So that's something that they got. we just got to keep an eye on. But I'll watch for him now. Uh, next category, next award, this is the best switchable defender. And here we're considering the ability to successfully guard multiple positions, but it's left up to voters to decide if that's like two or three positions that are elite or you can guard all five positions but you're only strong at one or two it's it's kind of open to interpretation but i you know we talk about this concept all the time in basketball switchable defenders uh and i think there's no obvious way to balance that right like you have a guy that can guard all five positions versus one who's really great against three positions so all right without further ado the winner of this category best switchable defender 2020 Giannis Antetokounmpo. Okay. All right. Narrowly, narrowly beating out Kawhi Leonard, and then a little bit of a drop, uh, Robert Covington, Bam Adebayo, and Anthony Davis. Oh, actually, Anthony Davis and OG Ananobi tied. Someone had OG Ananobi first in this category. Oh, my gosh. Marcus Smart as well. <laughs> these guys all, I just realized these guys all tied. There we go. Yeah. Thoughts? I- I didn't have Giannis on my on my ballot. I mean, granted, I just did top three. Um, but when I think switchable, you know, I had Kawhi number one, right? Like he just just that guy. I think Covington has proven so this year, even going from Minnesota to Houston, and then playing basically small power forward and and <laughs> shooting up his blocks to like I think he's, at the time that everything ended, he was averaging two and a half blocks a game for the. Uh, Rockets, I think, you know, just I think his ability to go any different ways. Yeah, I had him I had him second and a lot of the stuff in Minnesota that he was used for was basically like point of attack guarding, you know, sometimes he'd guard point guards. It's just incredible. So anyway, keep going. No, and then and then I had Jalen Brown, who I think's, you know, a I think for me it was a debate in my mind of Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and Maybe part of it was because I went Marcus Smart with the nail. I said, "I let me give Jalen Brown yeah. a little bit of love." Might have been, might have played into this more than it should have. Um, you know, I'm fallible, people. Sorry, uh, <laughs> that, but I think you know Jalen has that ability across the board to defend any position, in my opinion. So, and for the Celtics, he, him, and Smart kind of have to, uh, you know, because they don't play with the center, you know, for a large amount of time. And I think that's something that's key there. So. I understand it with Giannis. I haven't seen Giannis guard a ton of shifty point guards. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think he can. The and and and, and, and on that team, he doesn't have to. Yeah, right. 
we, we talked about it. Bloodsoe, Hill, Matthews. He doesn't have to. So for me, like when I was thinking switchable, you know, part of me was thinking a guy that can go from guarding a big to guarding a small. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think Giannis really has that in him. So um, that was why he didn't make my ballot. Now, if we're just talking, you know, th- switching from like a small forward to a center, yeah, Giannis can do that. For me, when I view this position and just kind of the way the game's played now, you need to be able to defend smalls. And I just don't see that from him yet. So my ballot was, I guess, in a way the one that, because it was close at the top, that pushed Giannis above these other guys. I had Giannis one, but I had the same interpretation that you just had, which is I don't think I don't think he's well. One, he can't guard shifty point guards; he just can't. But two, I think he's phenomenal, like three through five, right? And so I kind of valued the fact that any switch action or even any defensive scheme, three through five, as long as the as long as the three isn't like you don't want you don't want Giannis chasing guys around screens which I guess is another argument for maybe not having him first as I talk through it. But I just thought he was so good in those three positions and sort of the versatility in those positions and, you know, the stuff you can do even off screening action, um, as long as it's not a shifty point guard. But yeah, I mean, this is tough. Two other guys that I had on my ballot that are up here as well. um, And I feel kind of the same way about both of them. Anthony Davis and Bam just the, the versatility you can use in schemes with those guys and kind of, you know, if you want to switch stuff, if they get, if they end up on smaller, quicker players, as long as you have something behind defensively, that's usually still okay or still solid. I just, it's an interesting category, right? Where it's like, what are you going to value? And then look at how different guys bring different values to this concept of switch, switchability or versatility. Yeah. And, and really, if it, because the game is different, now than what it was 10 years ago and whatnot i think that ability to guard the guards is 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 it weighs heavily it's interesting because you're right ad's pretty good at it bam is really good at it and i and, and i kind of feel bad that i don't have him anywhere on my list i feel like i screwed up yeah yeah no i'm, I'm having the same kind of like as we talk through it i was scared of this podcast by the way <laughs> from when you've asked me if people want to know the truth i was just like damn i'm gonna get on there and i'm gonna say something and i'm gonna be like damn it <laughs> you know so yeah i'm scared of this one well mo no one is telling you to reveal your entire ballot every time you know you could make it a little bit more clandestine for folks and then well, it's too late now, Ben. <laughs> um, best switchable defender trophy. I guess I should hit that before we move on. Oh, yeah. We, we did kind of forget that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, man, my first thought was a basketball sitting on top of, you know, online the the this you know what i'm talking about the arrows online no i'm just curious where the hell you're going with this the, uh, the up and to the left arrow icon you know the icon yeah. with things switch in exchange mm-hmm. where you've got the two arrows going in opposite directions yes that was okay. my that's the play that's the holder and the basketball sitting on top of that that was my thought that was man that's a hard one maybe you put the basketball in the middle and you have the 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 arrows to switch your your camera phone I think my favorite thing Around about the, it? I think my favorite thing about the internet is we're going to get more feedback on design ideas for these trophies than the actual uh, defensive players. That I'm, we're I'm okay about. with that because I don't need anybody to come at me. <laughs> so I, I asked uh, I asked one person who I sent this 
too if they you know no other people inside the league who would also want to fill it out we only had a handful of people and he said knowledgeable to fill it out or willing to fill it out you know those are those are two very very different things um all right last category here. And which one did he say which category did he say i fall into <laughs> last last category mo um and and maybe one that you know a fitting one to end on since perhaps this is what so many casual fans or lay people have talked about when they think of defense over the years, especially for wings and point guards, and that is best isolation defender. Now, of course, there's a little overlap with the way the game is played now between this category and some of the things we've discussed, but what I ask here for voters is to consider the best defender truly in isolation against either a wing or post-up situations, meaning that there isn't a screener involved, basically. Right, and that's, I mean, that's, the definition of isolation. So <laughs> with that said, well, I mean, quarantine and lockdown and um, we got all different, well, yeah, we <laughs> all different stages. Now. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the best quarantine defender. Um, the winner of this category, best isolation defender 2020. I have to say, man, I really struggled with this one and, and the results are interesting in a landslide. One of the biggest wins picking up three first place votes, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Okay. And and then, why did you struggle with that? Well, okay. Let's table the Kawhi discussion for two more okay. seconds because I want to get right. to the rest of the names. Uh, Marcus Smart, Giannis, Ben Simmons, OG Ananobi were the next four. Bam Adebayo also just missed coming in behind. Okay. Any thoughts on those names? Well, my list had A1 Kawhi Leonard, Ben Simmons, and Marcus Smart. Oh, okay. So you were you were right in line with everyone else. Yeah, so I I was part of the group think uh, situation. <laughs> the group think where no um, one no one knew what anyone else was doing. Um, yeah, none of us. I didn't even know who the hell voted on this. So for all I know, you were setting me up. It will forever. Uh, it will forever be remained a sealed secret. I don't know unless they all tell me it's fine. To, <laughs> well, um, I will tell you. Don't tell them that I voted. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to tell anyone that you were a part of this at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I. I kind of just feel like that's probably about right so here's my thing with Kawhi. i think he's lost i mean you said he he coasts was that the word you used yeah i i think there's some truth to that like he obviously is more engaged in the postseason at least if last year was any indicator but i do also think the mass increase the weight gain uh the age the leg you know whatever's going on with his leg he's just not as quick as he used to be he just his technique is still phenomenal. And so you see in certain situations the way he almost makes up for that quickness by using his size, his length, and his footwork, and then, you know, the hips and the chest and all these things we talk about when we geek out on defensive technique. So I had him right near the top of my ballot as well. I just sort of, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but I do have some reservations about Kawhi's overall defense, even in the postseason now, while also thinking he's still a strong defender. Yeah, I just kind of look at it, and I've gotten a chance to watch Kawhi up close all year, um, going going to a bunch of Clipper games. You know, the thing about him is, like, when he wants to get that stop, it's over. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're they're very, 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 very few times have I seen it where he's I want to get this stop and him not get it. Like, there's just a defensive will to that, and I think you know his ability. You, like that, let me put it this way: Teams are scheming to get him completely out of the the way 
defensively. You know, um, whoever's he's guarding, there are teams that have schemes that, that he go, they go sit, stand in the corner and basically don't be involved in the offensive play because then Kawhi won't get involved and we'll just play four on four. So, I mean, there's a level of, of that respect that other teams have. Like, you know, we I was saying earlier about how Beverly can kind of blow things up. Well, when Kawhi is in that situation, whether it's defending a guy in the post, whether it's it, on the wing or anything like that, like I just think he has that ability to literally just shut you down. And part of that is, you know, he's got the length, but on top of it, he's just got such strong hands. It's like, I don't know if we've investigated this or not, but he <laughs> might have suction cups like yeah, his, inside his fingertips or something. His hands are incredible. Yeah, and it's just like when he just gets his hand on the ball, I it's his. It's that's it. It's over. Um, you, you know, so for me, when I look at him as an isolation defender, I just, I mean, that's the epitome of it. That's who I want. If it comes down to play where I'm like, I got to get a stop and I got to put, you know, our best guy on their best guy, regardless of position, I think I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go with Kawhi. Like I got it. Let's go, you know, and the Clippers play relatively small. So there are times he's going to end up having to play a big man or things like that. Like He's got the strength to be able to do it. I know you're talking a little bit of like him being worn down a, a bit, and 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 it. Uh, my biggest concern is his knee and how it holds up and everything. But you know, fully healthy, I just think he's the best one out there. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to argue too much with that. I think when I say he's lost quickness, that probably only comes into play against good point guards, and you know, it's not fair to expect somebody to shut down every position. Um, I think just the fact that when you're mentioning you need a stop, put him on the other guy's player. I mean, Kawhi can now comfortably guard fours, if not some fives, with his strength and his size, right? And so then then you look at the wings and the forwards and the two guards of the world and that entire family of players, and it's like he also does extremely well there. I think, if anything, some of the things I'm talking about, you know, he's never had amazing off-ball awareness to me and then the lack of speed or or kind of uh, instant reactions that I'm seeing you know I think that then set his off-ball value a little bit it's almost a double whammy by the way if you're a coach and you say hey we're going to put him in the corner because we don't want to have to attack him in isolation you also put him in a help responsibility where you can kind of stretch him or maybe move off screens off ball or something like that so and I agree with you on the off-ball stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, that's why he didn't make my best nail defender uh, list. You know, uh, <laughs> it's 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 off-ball, I think, is really he, – he, he struggles with that. And I think part of it is – and it's, stay with me because it might sound <laughs> a little bit crazy. But part of it is because he's so damn good on ball. He doesn't understand why other guys can't do it. Oh, you I know? could I – could, uh, yeah, tell me more. I like hearing this. I could see this. I mean, no, but I mean, he could just kind of like his mind is like, well, go guard your guy then. Right. Like, it's just as simple as that in his head. Like, just just stay in front of him. Like, it, it's <laughs> almost like he doesn't realize how good he is at it. Whereas, like, he just thinks the other guys aren't doing it, you know, and, and I shouldn't have to go help. You know, you should be able to stay in front of him and things like that. So I think that's kind of why his off ball stuff you know, has, and to be honest, his off-ball defense has never really been that great. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
with the Spurs, with Toronto, it's never been something where I felt like, man, he's 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 really a, a a problem when he comes over. He might make some plays from time to time from the weak side, but that ain't his cup of tea. But it's but that you know everything you said is 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 the case for why he's the best isolation defender, but not the best uh, overall defender. Maybe the other guy um, I had here, Drew Holiday, that we talked about earlier. I just mm-hmm. think I think this is where he shines. Uh, another name that we haven't mentioned at all. Well, okay. Let me mention this name last. Cause I just want to finish one more point about the Clippers and Kawhi. So I had Paul George, uh, at the top of my, uh, nail defender ballot. And I think at least, I don't know historically, but there have been a couple seasons in there where I think Paul George has been a better overall impact defender when you incorporate team and help defense and things like that than Kawhi but he clearly got way more love like Kawhi got way more love here from the voters than Paul George and my point actually is almost about Patrick Beverly which is that I looked at a bunch of Patrick Beverly film for this and one of the things that jumped out to me was how much Kawhi and Paul George in that nail area in the help rotations in the pick and roll partnerships with Patrick Beverly muck stuff up and then Patrick Beverly came in and got a loose ball or a steal or whatever he, he gets the crumbs yeah, out of yeah, he, gets, exactly. he gets the reward yeah it's, exactly he's the second mouse the first mouse dies in the mouse trap yeah, he goes yeah. gets the cheese basically yeah, basically that yeah that's interesting no I, you know I've I've back to my defense of Beverly and it's not like I'm crazy about the guy um but I just feel like I think the three of them have that good tandem I think him knowing he has those guys behind him allows him to put that pressure on the teams or, or, or players so that when they're beating him, you know, if, if, if they're so worried about once they get by him, they got to worry about Kawhi and, and, and PG. They don't see him still coming. So I think there's that kind of aspect to it. Are you with me on Paul George or? Oh, yeah. No, I the thing I think with Paul George and, and you know, even though he made my my best nail defender list, you know, is I just think he still has. I, I I need to see more isolation stuff this year. Yeah, yeah. You know, because he had missed a lot of time. I think the nail stuff was is 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 pretty obvious that he can do that. You know, I just and and again with the Clippers too. It's just like, all right, we need to get a stop. We have the best. I think they have the best guy in Kawhi, and they have this, they have another really damn good guy in PG. You know, they they often just go to the best guy. You know, you you, you always had Jordan shooting the game winners, not Scotty, right? Like it was just it's it's that kind of situation, I think. So maybe they're just the opportunities weren't there for him this year for to really show that. But I agree with you in general. I mean, that hell, that was my reaction when the, they teamed up was just like crap, man. Ain't nobody gonna score against yeah, this team. Yeah. Uh, the one other guy who I was alluding to earlier who really wasn't mentioned. He, he did have a couple votes down near the bottom of some categories. I certainly considered him uh, and had him maybe at the end of my ballot in some categories, but that's Draymond Green this year, who, of course, historically has been so incredible and I think has kind of gotten an unfair reputation for being like a massively different defender in the playoffs than the regular season, just because you're more engaged in the playoffs and you bring that fifth gear in like year four or year five of your finals run that doesn't mean that your regular season defense is just chopped liver uh and of course the Warriors this year have been a mess he's been injured a lot but uh, have you seen enough of him this year to say he's you know 
dogging it or washed or um you know where do you kind of land on him this season as a name that was conspicuously absent from a d- discussion about defense around the league i'm not gonna say he's washed but i think it's just a this whole year going into the season with the Warriors really did feel like a, a gap year. Yeah. You know, and, and, and then once Curry went down, it was like, oh, yeah, it's definitely take the year off <laughs> um, kind of thing. So I think there are times where he was engaged and there are times where he wasn't. And I'm not meaning this in any sort of negative way. It's, you know, hey, let's make it through this season and let's get to next season. And I think he was using a lot of this season kind of observing his teammates you know the the thing about Draymond I, I I think he has one of the highest basketball IQs especially defensively uh than than most in the league you know I think he's got to be like top five defensive IQ he I think he was kind of looking at his teammates and and who he can work with and 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 kind of coaching up a little bit more than actually himself doing it is is kind of the way I felt. Now it's not like I've watched a massive amount of the Warriors this year. They're they're, um, they're at Bulls level of uh, of viewing yeah, for mean, a lot of were, people. They, they, they kind of were tough. There they were a bit of a tough watch. So um, you know I think that's kind of the but that was kind of my feel about Draymond. It wasn't that I felt like he was washed. It felt like more like he was resting and resting the whole like he wasn't going to really kill himself this year. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of why he's he's not on those lists. Normally he is, you know. I I think he's great. I want to throw another name at you though. Please do. And this one kind of surprised me a bit too. Um, we're so used to seeing him, co- this guy, coast all the time, you know. But he really hasn't this year, and that's LeBron James. Yes. You know, defensively this year, he's he's been really good, right? He's been locked in. Yes. From day one, and that was kind of. One of my questions about the Lakers early on was, you know, LeBron, like I said, LeBron has to lock in and take the regular season important, uh, take it seriously more so than he has in the past because this is such a new team. They all need to gel and get that chemistry together and know who's going to rotate, how they're going to rotate and all that. And he has to be involved in that. And he really stepped up to the challenge. You know, something I just wrote about him for Bleacher Report. Um, but something that really caught my eye was his defensive numbers for the last 15 games, or maybe it was the last 10, excuse me. Um, but like the team's defensive rating was below 100 when he was on the floor, you know, over those 10 games, like he, and, and, and defensive ratings as a metric, something that, uh, my podcast partner, Seth part now kind of drilled in my head. It's not his defensive rating. It's the team's defensive rating. So, you know, I don't know how much credit we give him for that, but, like, him being on the floor mattered defensively, and he was making rotations. I have clips on top of clips on top of clips yeah. of him yep. rotating over from the weak side, him trying to lock in, him rebounding really hard and, 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 and coming over and, you know, not only chasing a block, but if he doesn't get it, still being in position. Like, this was a really eye-opening thing when I went back to watch it recently so I think you know his defense isn't getting enough shine as it should this year it's such a great call out because I he didn't appear on any ballot on any category there may be a few where you want to include him in kind of you know not at the top but uh one thing that he has always done incredibly well is read plays he's got a he's got a computer database in his brain of uh, you know playbooks and what other guys like to do and the thing that jumped out to me was doing the Anthony Davis deep dive that I just put up on the Thinking Basketball YouTube channel, where it's like, okay, yeah, Anthony Davis impresses me as a defender, but 
there are all kinds of actions this year where LeBron is pointing, he's early, he's he's putting in a second effort, he's smothering guys as part of the play. I mean, his man defense has been good. His his rotations and help defense and the activity there. For me, Mo, I don't know how historical you get with some of these guys, but for me, it's his best defensive season since 2016. And from a regular season perspective, even earlier than that, maybe back to Miami, just in terms of the combination of effort and impact. Yeah, no, I think that's right on. I think that's the level of where we're at with that. I think, you know, that's the kind of season he's had. And that's why the team's been as good as they have been, you know. And then I think they're top three in defensive rating. I think, you know, it's it's you, the, the thing that gets lost a lot about defense is it's never one guy. It's your whole team. All five guys got to be involved. All five guys got to be aware. And as soon as one guy breaks the chain, the whole thing falls apart. And a lot of times in the regular seasons in the past, LeBron just didn't make the rotation. Now, it wasn't that he didn't know to make the rotation. He was resting himself. And, and you know, we, we gave him a pass for that a lot. But this year, he hasn't been. This year, it's everything you said. He's been on top of it. So I think I'm with you there. This has probably been his best defensive season since Miami, regular yeah. season-wise. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and part of that, too, some of that credit has to go to to having Anthony Davis with him and, and knowing he's got help there. Uh, you were mentioning Avery Bradley. You know, Danny Green's another guy who, who who's a pretty good defender. Not not great. It's kind of lost a little bit of a step. But, um, you know, and, and some of it goes to, to Coach Vogel for putting these guys in that system and, and, and getting that going, you know. And I think that's the the whole thing of it. But it's been a, a surprise. I'm not surprised he wasn't on the ballot. He wasn't on any of mine. Uh, you know, he, he probably could have made a list here, uh, one of those uh, well, lists. To, to give you an example, Danny Green did get a sort of like whatever it was, a fifth place vote in one category, but LeBron got nothing, literally. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I just think it's something that we've overlooked. And part of that has to do with we're just so used to him just kind of taking it easy during the regular season that like his his defensive season this year has been pretty damn solid. Let's recap. uh Five awards here. Thinking basketball, defensive awards, 2020, best rim protector. Whoa, whoa, did we get a trophy for the isolation? Oh, isolation trophy. Oh, well, you tried to <laughs> try to cheat me one, man. I need a, I need the isolation trophy. Do I have to do it before the recap? <laughs> yes, because you're going to recap them. <laughs> okay, let's think about this. This is going to be a tough one. Should it just be somebody locked in their room? Like, what's <laughs> It should be an island because it's it's basically you're defending on an island. I got it. I got it. What you got? It is a little gold version of Rodan's The Thinker sitting, <laughs> thinking in isolation. But instead of his head on top of the fist, it is a basketball. <laughs> All right. You with me? Go. Let's do it. Is that work? our trophy. That right. works for me. Okay, good. Now we're going to recap. Uh, <laughs> best rim protector, unanimous vote, Rudy Gobert. Uh, guys behind him, Brooke Lopez, Anthony Davis, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Miles Turner. Best nail defender, Marcus Smart, followed by Jason Tatum, Paul George, Robert Covington, Ben Simmons. Best point of attack defender, also went to Marcus Smart, Giannis, Simmons, Avery Bradley, Drew Holiday, Kawhi Leonard, group behind him. And let's see, best switchable defender was next. That went to Giannis, Kawhi Leonard, Robert Covington, who we talked about, Bam Adebayo, Anthony Davis, uh, just a glut of people here. OG, Marcus Smart, they were all right behind him. 
And then finally, the category we just did, Best Isolation Defender. Kawhi Leonard won the category behind him, way behind him. Marcus Smart, Giannis, Ben Simmons, OG Ananubi. Mo, before we wrap, any names from that list jump out to you uh, that we haven't talked about or just, let's put it this way. Overall, who do you think did better or did worse when you think about the breadth of the categories, uh, names that kept popping up or names that were only in like zero or one category? Well, I think it was interesting to see how many times Ben Simmons popped up. Uh, Marcus Smart, I think, got in there a lot. Um, I know I'm guilty of it. Uh, I think the surprise, at least I'm a little disappointed in myself, I already said it, but I probably should add Bam Adebayo somewhere. Yeah. In, 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 in those lists. He, he, wasn't on, he wasn't on a lot of ballots, surprisingly. Yeah, and I think that's a problem of us, <laughs> not, not him. I think that was just some of us kind of forgetting about him, uh, y- y- you know, and in that regard. But those those are probably the the my main main thoughts on on just the overall lists and 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 where guys fell. Here's an interesting question before we go: Was this kind of exercise harder and kind of in the sense that it demanded more? breadth of thought i mean we've talked about players that we easily forget or haven't been able to watch was it harder in the sense that it demanded more breadth of thought than when you were in the league you know just getting together in the room and trying to fill out the the all defensive ballot or whatever at the end of the season this was harder gosh this one might be a little bit tough to say but it's just a matter of how much we cared about that defensive list yeah. when you're with the team. Yeah, exactly. You know? it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's the level of, it doesn't really affect us. You know, um, granted these decisions, unfortunately really affect how much money some of these guys can make in their, their careers. Um, so maybe it needs to be taken more seriously, but um, I found this exercise harder, not being in the league more because, and, and, and I cared more you know, yeah. on, on this list. I know I sent you some stuff and you probably looked at it going like, damn, what the hell is Mo talking about? Um, <laughs> no, y- y- never. Y- y- yeah. Lies. Um, <laughs> the, uh, that kind of stuff. So there's, there was a level of that in my mind, um, in the, in the subconscious that I think really kind of played, plays into it a little bit. And I think that's the, uh, that's the stuff when you're in the, the, the season and we're doing this it's not like we're going to sit there and debate this for three hours we're we we have a practice to go to a yeah. shoot around or a game so it's like you know, there's only so much time we're going to devote to it whereas this one i really i, I can't speak for other voters but i kind of took some time to really think these things through although it may not look like it on no some of no yeah i mean we had to delay recording because i still had <laughs> film to get through right before we uh we started this but i mean i think that is sort of one of my biggest takeaways that we can close on here is that as we talk through it aloud, you can see, oh man, maybe that I overlooked that guy or now that I talk it out more, I want to change it. Um, players we don't get to, or teams we don't get to watch enough during the season, they, the players on some of those teams can kind of be out of our focus and we overlook them. And to your point, I think in a way, myself you the other people who were nice enough to participate in this exercise who who by the way watch a lot of nba basketball and a lot of film on defense which is why they were asked to participate even all of us with that said are still missing guys or changing things on the fly so to me it just puts into perspective the way that we do the awards now or have done them historically is almost guaranteed to fall prey to group think or 
lean on things that you've seen from prior seasons or kind of overlook guys who are in situations that don't pop on national TV every night. Yeah, I think it's just it's easy to for guys to slip through. I mean, just think about how disappointed I am that with Bam. I mean, it's 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 easy for that to happen just throughout the the course of the season and the amount of stuff you watch and then just the natural human biases that that exist within us and and so you know it's it's it was a fun exercise though and don't stress me out like this again <laughs> well it was a, a fun conversation I'm, I'm incredibly glad that you were not only part of the exercise but were able to come on and and join and and go through this with me in painstaking fashion hopefully you aren't too bothered by overlooking I, I, Bam. I, I always yeah. enjoy I always enjoy talking basketball with you Ben awesome Mo tell people where they can find your work do they tune in to TV now to listen to talking heads argue about you tell everybody where they can follow you ain't nobody but nobody's putting me on TV with this mustache I got going right now um, oh that mustache is spectacular by the way people please get over to Mo's Twitter and find pictures of his mustache yeah <laughs> It's 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 something. Let's just leave it at that. Um, yeah, no, you can find my writing at Bleacher Report. Uh, I just put a piece out on LeBron. You can hear me on the Athletic Podcast Network. I do. I host Brody and the Beard, a show about the Houston Rockets. I'm on Nerder She Wrote, uh, and just follow me on Instagram and Twitter at modekeel underscore nba m-o-d-a-k-h-i-l underscore nba and you'll i will always be tweeting what i'm doing on there so uh just follow me there and that's how you can find me awesome mo thanks so much no thanks for having me to support this podcast head on over to patreon.com slash thinking basketball there you'll find additional content we've got some articles extra videos that don't make it to the Thinking Basketball YouTube channel. We have an online discussion community, historical database of stats, and of course it just helps produce more of these shows. A big thanks to all current Patreons and new ones out there. Hope wherever you're listening in the world, you are staying safe these days with everything that's going on, and uh, we'll talk to you in the next episode. That is not how I end my podcast. You end your podcast by saying, thanks for listening, And of course, wherever you are out there, I hope you're all having a great day.